All right, good, good afternoon. Again, this is uh, James Votaw with, with Keller Heckman. Uh, welcome to the uh, April Tosca 3030 uh, webinar. We're going to talk today about uh, EPA's new draft plan to develop and implement alternative test methods. Uh, just by way of introduction, uh, I'm a, a partner here in the chemical control practice of Keller Heckman, and I'm here today with my colleague, John Gustafson, who's also in there. He uh, does environmental and chemical control. He's also one of our regular litigators, so uh, we're, we're glad to have him on board today uh, to help with this. So we're going to cover, uh, we'll, we'll say uh, welcome, sort of a good afternoon to people on the East Coast or good morning on the West, and as, uh, we know we have some, some people dialing in from, uh, from Europe, so good evening and thank you for, and for sticking with us. I think somebody from Japan too. So, well, may we actually. I don't, it's a good time to mention that we uh, provide a recording of this with the slide. So I suspect that um, our uh, Japanese signees may be watching later on. But, uh, but everyone, welcome. So uh, today, like I said we're gonna we're gonna talk about the uh, the new the draft testing um, alternative testing development plan starting with a background on the changes to the testing provisions of TOSCA coming out of the Lautenberg Act, um, the uh, EPA's overall obligation here to try and phase out vertebrate animal testing, and then take you through the plan, sort of the, the details of the plan, and I think sort of limitations or issues that, that, that we see sort of going through, and then try and wrap up with, I think, some practical implications for companies. So with that, uh, just uh, going back, we actually did a, a webinar last year at this time on Section 4 and the, the, uh, the overall sort of changes to to uh, the, the testing program under TOSCA. Essentially, under the uh, under the amendments, um, the, the testing program was, was generally just much more liberalized, make it much more functional, overcoming uh, some sort of structural problems with the way it had been set up before. They created a catch-22 or sort of a chicken-the-egg problem where you needed, needed to have data in order to request data. And the, the changes are really uh, remove that bar. You know, uh, no longer does EPA have to proceed by rule, which is a, a much more cumbersome process. You can proceed by order or, or enforceable consent agreements. And sort of the threshold for actually triggering testing is is less. So uh, the uh, statute, the amendments also opened up a number of sort of new avenues, new places where testing was authorized using sort of these more liberalized uh, initiation procedures. So now it's specifically authorized, testing is specifically authorized under Section 4, wherever EPA needs it to uh, review a PMN or a SNUN uh, for purposes of the 6B prioritization and risk evaluation, um, looking at implementing new orders. And uh, in addition, um, where there is a request from another federal agency that needs this kind of data to it doesn't have to be another agency, but it has to be a, a federal agency that needs this kind of data to implement requirements on a statute other than TOSCA. So it could also be APA, but it might be another another federal agency as well. Um, but there are, uh, you know, there's some limitations to this. Um, you know, the testing has to be necessary and as uh, you know, is a sort of prerequisite before compelling someone to do some kind of testing either under any of the methods. EPA has to identify, you know, uh, the, the, the need for the testing, um, the what else the agency looked at and considering sort of the available information before requiring testing, before returning to doing new testing. 
why a unilateral order is warranted if the agency has uh, used that approach as opposed to uh, negotiating a test program with uh, the, the, the companies that may be uh, sort of relevant to, to that work. They need to identify protocols and consider the test. A lot of sort of prudential concerns, I think, around sort of uh, setting up a proper test rule. And uh, all of these come, if you're on the other side of one of these orders or, or a rule, these sort of become hooks for negotiation or objection to uh, get to where you need to be to, to get a sort of practicable test program. But an important element, and what I'll talk about more today then, is where the test is, uh, the EPA is mandated for vertebrate animal testing, EPA has to specifically justify, justify why that, that uh, approach is needed. Um, another, there's another sort of test to the overall, uh, another change from the Act that isn't really in Section 4. This is in uh, TOSCA Section 23L3. Joking on your screen, that's an L, not a 1. Uh, but 26L generally is a provision that requires EPA by the two, second anniversary, so June of 2018, to have uh, uh, promulgated sort of all the guidance and procedures that are needed to implement really all of the changes in, um, uh, affected by the Lautenberg Act uh, amendments. But there's a specific section that deals specifically with uh, guidance and procedures around testing policies. Uh, EPA is supposed to identify and articulate um, how, uh, you know, how it will decide you know, when testing will be requested, when it will be required. Not which testing, but what are sort of the conditions, or you know, what extent of exposure uh, or, or other factors will drive the decision for them to require testing. When is it going to be necessary? And obviously, it's a little indirect, but it also has an impact on how much animal testing might be might be requested. Um, so, you know, the, the, I guess the question is, you know, will there, will there be more testing after, you know, in light of these sort of liberalized conditions? And I think that the big driver really is not, is, is less uh, the changes to Section 4, but more changes to Section 6. Well, EPA now has this new mandate to, you know, over time prioritize and conduct risk evaluations where necessary um, for everything on the, on the inventory. And that's going to require both, you can, I think we're going to expect to see uh, a lot more testing, you know, both voluntary by companies who are trying to anticipate how their products would be handled in this process and, and compelled by the agency as they need to go through the decision making. So I think overall we should see more testing. Um, EPA has given a signal uh, about how much more testing that might be in the, in the recent uh, proposed fee rule where they, for purposes of the cost analysis, they projected uh, the amount of testing in the various forms that they would see coming up in the next at least the next uh, several years, and, and, and uh, in, the, in that preamble, they described it as you know doing ten test orders a year, one one new test rule a year, and one new enforceable consent agreement per year. Now, so I've done sort of a maybe a slightly unfair, but a, at least a back of the envelope kind of calculation about what all that might represent in terms of animals um, affected. So. If um, the EPA also estimates that for, for each rule or order, each you know, testing obligation may involve um, seven studies you know, per chemical and one to seven chemicals probably in a, in a grouping that would be uh, tested and covered by that one order. So the little bit of rough math, if you have looking at like a, a repeat dose inhalation study as, um, as, as one example, but if you've got you know 80 rats in the study and seven studies and 12 rules a year uh, in whatever form, that's uh, 
6,700 animals. Um, if now that's for one chemical. Now, if you've got if each of those orders covers you know more than one chemical, you can quickly get to 50 or 60,000 animals um, just by EPA's compelled testing program. Aside from whatever industry may do, um, there was some interesting. Although we didn't get to see hear all of it, um, there was some interesting commentary at the public meeting yesterday, which will I think Moose mentioned. Uh, where uh, one of the uh, uh, an interest organization did their own sort of calculation of uh, the number of animals used in compelled testing in 2017 under the new chemicals program, and they came up with 76,000 animals. So it's um, it's um, you know, uh, depending on your perspective, it's it's a, not an insignificant number of of animals that may be involved in these testing programs. And without the new 4H provision, that would mean a lot of uh, additional for uh, new authority under four would permit EPA to impose requirements for a lot of additional animal testing, right. but four H balances that. Yeah. Well, eventually it says, "Well, we'll talk about it." I think it's a we'll say it's sort of a work in progress. So right, and that is what John just just, just jumped to now is that you know the uh, the next. Um, Sort of balancing, I think, sort of this, this, you know, again, the requirement under Section Six to as a practical matter to do a lot more testing is a, uh, a new mandate to start working towards um, reducing or eliminating vertebrate animal testing over time. Now, this is not new uh, in, in any means. It is sort of a, a new chapter, but really not a, a new movement. Uh, you know, EPA and other federal agencies have been working for. Uh, a long time to to uh, move away where they can from from vertebrate animal testing. Uh, the idea of sort of reduce, refine, and replace animal testing has been the, sort of the mantra in in those in started study circles since the 50s. Uh, but this is really sort of going beyond that. It's taking it to the to the next level. Really looking at sort of the new 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 technologies. Um, but again, the, the idea is uh, that. That you know, animal testing obviously raises sort of moral and ethical issues. It's time-consuming, expensive, and the data is not always sort of relevant to, to people. And there's often going to be a better a better way. Um, this is also not the first time Congress has acted to try and uh, promote uh, reduce vertebrate animal testing. In 2000, they authorized the creation of the Interagency Coordinating Committee uh, on the validation of alternative methods uh, authorization. And this is essentially this is a group of the of uh, 16 federal agencies, health agencies that are involved in this kind of testing, working together to on a sort of a standing basis to uh, develop alternative methods that are going to will be acceptable for regulatory decision making. Um, they came out actually in January with their own strategic roadmap. Uh, it's a new strategic roadmap for establishing new approaches to evaluate the safety of chemicals and medical products. So certainly beyond the scope of just Tosca, but I think uh, in some ways perhaps it will be a more influential, uh, far-reaching uh, impact document than, than the, uh, the, the Tosca document that we're talking about today. So that's, that's worth reading, and I think in hindsight we might have, we might have had our seminar on that one instead. But uh, they've been, so in, in, at EPA, uh, I think that sort of the, the turning point, I think, for many people's minds, when EPA really moved more aggressively to try and move towards alternative methods was uh, in 2007 when the National Research Council came out with their 
know, toxicity testing in the 21st century document is really sort of the turning point pointing towards is sort of the availability of new technologies that allow us to uh, test without or to a lesser degree depending on vertebrate animals. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to John. He's going to take us through uh, take us through the, the plan. All right. So let's get into the new section 4H. Um, this this is a mandate to EPA. Uh, EPA shall reduce and replace vertebral animal testing. Now that uh, that initial mandate is given a little cushion. cushion. It's to the extent practicable, uh, but it does have to be scientifically justified and consistent with best available science. We also see best available science in the new Section 26H. Um, EPA has to do this in a few ways. Um, it, before imposing a test requirement, it must consider a variety of uh, information. It has to consider uh, available existing information on the chemical for which it is imposing testing. It has to consider uh, these new approach methodologies, which we'll talk about that term more, but uh, that's the, the kind of the new term for methods that are consistent with uh, non-vertebrate testing approaches. Um, so the statute uh, contemplates read-across and uh, quantitative structural analysis relationships. Uh, I'm sure many of you are familiar with these methods. Uh, EPA also has to encourage and facilitate use of these methodologies by uh, companies, and uh, they have to encourage and facilitate uh, grouping by chemical analog and uh, by encouraging consortia. And those consortia of companies will permit uh, cost sharing between the companies and uh, also reduce the number of animals uh, used for testing. So uh, Section 4H3 uh, addresses um, the obligation for businesses. This is voluntary for businesses, even though it says that uh, companies shall first attempt to use these alternative methodologies, um, it also says that a violation of this paragraph is not a prohibited act. So that has the ultimate effect of uh, making this voluntary for companies. Uh, though it does say EPA will or may consider uh, what efforts companies are going to when it evaluates this data. Now, section, all right, so the strategic plan requirement is in 4H2. And that plan, that requirement requires of EPA that it uh, create this plan to promote and develop alternative methods that are not based on vertebrate animal testing, these, these NOMs, new approach methodologies. Uh, both methods, and, and that can be in vitro studies, computational methods, uh, and then strategies, so looking at different frameworks 
to view the data through and make decisions through. Um, I'm sure a lot of you have uh, heard about tiered testing in reference to Section 6. Um, so some of the features of this, of this plan include a list of uh, NOMs that give equivalent or better information that are reliable, meaning validated, uh, and also relevant to uh, the, per the, the purposes of right, Tosca. Fit for purpose. Is that fit for purpose. Important element, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, EPA has to uh, give cri uh, list criteria for determining reliability and relevance, and it has to prioritize the, these, this development of these other methods. Uh, now, that's subject to uh, available resources and uh, also EPA's other obligations under TSCA, so that gives EPA a little cushion, a little discretion maybe not to execute this plan uh, too, too aggressively. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we'll just do a quick rundown of the timeline here. Last November, EPA held a public meeting to solicit uh, feedback on, on what will go into this plan. Uh, they did that for a couple months. They got a lot of comments. It, on March 12th, in the Federal, Reg the Federal Register noticed the new draft plan. Uh, and then yesterday, EPA held another public meeting uh, to solicit feedback about the plan. Uh, we listened in yesterday and heard that um, EPA is really tackling this by toxicological endpoint. Uh, some of you may have seen that a skin sensitization uh, NOM came out yesterday, and that's a brand-new policy, um, and that kind of incorporates this alternate methodology for, for that endpoint. So from here on out, uh, on, for Section 6 activity, uh, EPA will impose testing using that Methodology. It's to add. I mean, and it's, it's really worth um, looking at. I mean, it's almost worth uh, you know another kind of session to look at. It. But you look at the, the, the guidance document that announces the skin sensitization policy, and you look at the process that was involved to sort of uh, sort of justify and validate um, using a variety of means. You know, using this method as opposed to the, you know the straight animal-based test. It's a, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, and it sort of underscores sort of the challenge, I think, for the agency faces in trying to bring these new methods online. Right. So certainly encouraging to see that, that kind of widespread uh, validation effort and highly transparent. Right. And, and I understand also that, that, that uh, actually private industry was very involved in, in trying to in putting, doing the work to try and put the, uh, you know, create the basis for, for this adoption. So it's a, a real collaboration. So the final plan is due two years after the passage of Lautenberg Act, so that's June 22nd of this year. And then EPA has to update Congress on the implementation of the plan every five years, uh, beginning five years from the passage of the Act. So the first update will happen in 2021. So 
let's get into the the draft that EPA put out. Um, the draft contemplates activity for the next five years. Uh, we talked a little bit about this, the new NOM term that's not EPA's. EPA didn't invent that term that's being used by the ICC, VAM, uh, and other agencies. And this is a pretty graphic that EPA put out. Go ahead, oh, hold on. I was going to say that that I think it's, it's helpful for people who aren't familiar with this sort of this NOM concept, the uh, new approach methods, that it, it it contemplates both sort of new sort of either sort of machine-based or in silico, you know, other kinds of new advanced technology methods, but it also includes sort of new um, administrative approaches, so you know, tiering approaches, other kind of strategies that aren't really technology-driven, they're right. more policy-driven. Decision-making frameworks. Yes. Exactly. That right. Would be, so they're, they're all sort of uh, fit under this broad, broad characterization. So this graphic really uh, is just the process through which EPA will put each new NOM. Uh, it'll, they will spend time first identifying gaps in the knowledge uh, rela related to this NOM, uh, continue to develop information related to it, integrate it where it can be used, and it's worth mentioning that for a long time EPA has used uh, these NOMs for discrete, narrow purposes under Section 5 and Section 6, uh, and then these methodologies move to that second circle um, where they are validated uh, through case studies, um, through international validation methods. Uh, there are a host of methods for, for validating and building confidence in the NOMs. And then the last step there is implementation, and the, the plan really contemplates that these NOMs will be implemented and used for Section 6 activity. This one has the other, the other thing to take away from this sort of overly complicated diagram is uh, the sort of the iterative nature of this. Uh, so that this is sort of happening, you know, on, on sort of multiple kind of overlapping time scales. Um, it's a, it's a, so it's, a, it's sort of an ongoing process. You know, we'd be initiating and building confidence and implementing all the time. You know, all through you know through the entire horizon. Right. Okay. So in the near term, uh, EPA has listed about. I think we have eight objectives. Um, it is forming uh, something of a task force. The, the TNT, Tosca NOM team, uh, it's going to continue using NOMs for new and existing chemical evaluation um, and, and accepting uh, data produced by NOMs. Um, and it will review existing NOMs and and consistent with the one of the requirements of the new 4-H, publish that list of usable NOMs that, that give either equivalent or better information than vertebrate testing. Um, as we discussed, EPA will continue to identify knowledge gaps and uh, said yesterday in the public meeting that it's really going to use uh, information about what uh, 
what chemical studies are requested most and needed most to drive the development. Um, it's going to use the NOMS for pre-prioritization, so uh, developing the pool of chemicals uh, that will be prioritized under Section 6. Yeah, and, and I would say at the, at the public meeting on pre-prioritization back in December, spent a lot of time sort of uh, elucidating exactly which which kind of NOMs they would be sort of useful, at least proposed to be useful for the pre-prioritization process. So there's that, if you're interested in that, there's another resource document with a lot of details. EPA will uh, build, it is, it is in the process of building an IT platform that is compatible with uh, all of these NOMs and the information that they generate uh, to facilitate just better transfer, communication, and use of the data in, you know, various uh, modules. And it wants to, uh, it intends to collaborate with stakeholders uh, to identify NOMs for further development. And we also saw yesterday um, that some companies have already started to just without without being solicited by EPA to inf uh, give information on NOMs they've been developing to the agency with the intent of helping them. So we saw actually on on one company's website that they've spent nearly 400 million uh, developing NOMs, and that may be a wise investment. Uh, because it would lead to lower costs in the long term. And avoid, and avoid killing animals. What? Oh, uh, right. And uh, so then the, the intermediate term, which I'm running on time, but we can move quickly. Um, again, the it gets a little fuzzier the further down the timeline that we go, but it's largely sort of continuing these further, you know, the, the, the prior actions. I think the, the hope then is... EPA will be able to have moved from moving um, uh, using NOMs just for prioritization to be reliable enough for I think the more demanding Section Six uh, prioritization or risk evaluation stages to have at least some some uh, endpoints available with that are uh, sort of validated enough to be used for those those purposes. Fit right again, sort of fit to purpose. We're going to update the list and. Um, and then I think uh, doing more to, uh, to to do outreach to uh, the, the end users and the public about trying to build acceptance and set the ground for for further kind of validation. And then again, sort of continuing again, sort of just sort of continuing collaboration with partners and stakeholders. And what the plan describes is just to identify NOMs for further development. So beyond five years out, EPA has given only an aspirational goal, saying that it intends, it wants to implement, fully implement these NOMs uh, in the Section 6 context and other contexts uh, and and just reduce and eliminate uh, vertebrate testing. Right. So that is, they, don't, they don't anticipate that are going to be done in five years. It's just... Right. It's a five-year... Five yeah, it's a good time. At that point, uh, I think we'll sort of see a new, a new plan. You know, where do we go from here? But I think it's sort of hard for them to see beyond sort of that five-year horizon today. Okay, so some of the issues we've seen uh, in the in the new plan are that uh, although EPA has stated its intent to be transparent about this, the uncertainties that are 
involved in this uh, in these NOMs. It hasn't stated how it will address address some of these uncertainties. One of which is that uh, validation of these NOMs happens through uh, animal testing, comparing the results of the methodology to the results of animal testing. Animal testing already has some uncertainty baked into it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so, so you know, the most we learn is that this uh, this NOM gives us as good of information as uh, testing on a guinea pig. It doesn't tell us what it would do to the human. Uh, so, again, it's the plan is largely aspirational. Um, there are not so many, not very many concrete milestones in the plan. Um, yeah. Um, and, uh, right, and, and, and I think the other, the other uh, point here is you know, that the plan does a lot to describe the various kinds of activities the agency is undertaking to working with different either internationally with other agencies. Uh, we mentioned the the, the, uh, the ICC that they're working in. But the, the EPA's plan for TOSCA purposes doesn't, as, as a strategic matter, doesn't really talk about how it's going to use those resources in a sort of a direct way to meet the, the, the aims of, of Section 4. So I sort of see that as kind of a, of a whole, um, more of a tactical plan than a strategic plan. Um, also, uh, we did, uh, it doesn't also doesn't address the uh, the important role I think of the section uh, 26 L3 policies about how it is going to decide which testing will be required. Right. So and we're going to be rolling around the time, so we're going to go quickly. Okay. So <laughs> so even though uh, so we we you know EPA has identified this this uh, intent to this goal to collaborate. Uh, and we heard yesterday at the meeting that companies are helping and giving information, but EPA did not uh, include in the plan a specific solicitation or some sort of concrete request for for feedback or input uh, information to develop these NOMs. Funding, uh, so nothing in the plan talks about how this will be funded, Again, the, the, the language of the statute, the funding provision makes this a little more squishy by allowing EPA to prioritize uh, the act activities under TSCA as it is as uh, practicable. Um, also, we, we've identified some areas that could benefit from increased transparency. So we want to just make sure that uh, when Validation occurs. It's done, you know, under the public's eye. Uh, is subject to notice and comment. Subject to public feedback. Sometimes, with in other contexts, with uh, collaboration with external groups, has led to baking in deficiencies of those external groups into agency action. And then, lastly, uh, we. Uh, well, let's just move on because we're running out of time. Okay, okay. I'm sorry, John. No. <laughs> right. So, I, I think just just just, just quickly, um, uh, you know, I think sort of the open questions really uh, for for businesses is again that this is sort of a this is a, a, a starting point. This is pr is still pretty general, um, and 
you know, that uh, I think there was, you know, some question about, you know, what effect EPA will give to how much pressure you will put on, on private companies to to uh, engage in and researchably try and use these alternative methods. Um, there's really, you know, again, no timeline for, for full implementation. Uh, but, you know, over time, this is still useful. Not only, you know, companies are obviously concerned about about uh, the, the social cost of, of killing all these animals, and perhaps unnecessarily, but there's also, uh, I think, uh, hopes for for greater cost reduction and uh, more more useful data over time, uh, and I think that again because so many companies have invested in their own methods, uh, it was a little we were a little disappointed to see there wasn't more discussion about how they would work with companies to get these existing kind of methods validated. Uh, but if you've got those methods, it may be that that the ICC is the place to start rather than trying to sort of force something through uh, the, the this plan. So. Apologies for for going over. Uh, we thank you very much. Thank and you. The, uh, the the presentation will be uh, online. You can catch up if we've uh, skipped over points. You may be able to see those later. So thanks very much. Good afternoon.